Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Alright, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 67, and if I remember correctly, is this our third in the social distancing era, Dave? I was going to Third or fourth, you. maybe? I'm not oh, sure. Okay. This oh. may be our, is it only the third of the social distancing? Maybe it's, it's more. as soon as I was saying that, it seemed like, it seemed like that wasn't enough, so maybe it's not. Maybe one of the Plan for Life Now historians can go back and check that out for us. Yeah, if I I should know this, but I think this is our fourth episode. Okay, let's run with it. All right, so this is our fourth social distancing episode, and uh, we are both working from home, as I assume many many people out there are as well. And uh, we got a couple things to talk about today, but um, Dave and I always think it makes sense to start these off in this current era with where are we? <laughs> what has gone on? What's the status of everything? Right. All the the coronavirus, all the the COVID-19 episodes will always have a where are we. As long as I'm on the phone and you're with the the real recording software, as long as it sounds that way, we're always going to start with a COVID-19 update slash opinion part. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's paint the full picture here. And I, you know, I think the really full picture <laughs> takes a look at the fact that we were in a bull market for basically 11 years. Um, and, you know, when we were meeting with clients past couple of years, we would look at these charts that would say, okay, the bull market's gone on 10 years, 10 and a half years. As of the end of 2019, 10.8 years. And we had not had any sort of 20% decline or more. We'd had a couple that came a little close to that, um, and we certainly hadn't had a recession during this time period. So, you know, what we were saying was, listen, I don't know how much longer the bull market will go on for. Could go on for a long time, could end tomorrow. And I don't know why it's going to end, but at some point, something is going to happen that will cause it to end. And as I've been saying with people, you know, a year ago, you could have given us all a thousand guesses and we're not going to say COVID-19 because nobody knew what that was at that point. Um, so stock market goes up, sort of peaks out as of February 19th. Stock market started to decline. And you know, we all lived through this, but I'm kind of refreshing your memory here. Started to decline. By March 23rd, the stock market was down just a hair shy of 34%. Right. And I'm always talking about the S&P 500, very broad uh, market there. So down 34 percent. 
in just a little over a month. And we've had this discussion with a lot of people as we've been doing review meetings, and people keep saying, gosh, you know, this this felt so brutal. You know, and we lived through 2008, 2009, and that was a huge decline. But this one, I don't know, it sort of felt worse. You know, a lot of people have been saying this. And to put it in some context, 2008, 2009, you saw a 56% decline in stocks from top to bottom. So 56%, a lot worse than 34%. But that decline took place basically over 18 months. In this case, it took place over 30 some odd days. So the concentration of the decline, just, you know, absolutely breathtaking there. We now sit here almost two months later. So right now we're recording this uh, on May the 20th. Market sort of bottomed out on March 23rd. And I, I always say that kind of hesitantly because I, I don't want to say that, hey, we're out of the woods. There's no more trouble. But for now, it seems to have bottomed out March 23rd. Now we're sitting here a little bit less than two months later, and the market is back up over 30%, kind of depends on the day, probably talking 31, 32% as of today. Now, the way, and we've had some people say, oh, great, we lost 34, but we've gained, say, 31. We're almost back to even. No, that's not exactly the way the math works. If you've got $100 and you go down to $66, you need to gain 50% to get back to $100. So if you gain 30%, hey, that's great, but you're not back to even quite yet. So all of that said, here we sit, and we're only down, what, 10 12% off of the all-time highs? Uh, off the all-time high, but if you're looking at even the quarter from the beginning of the year, as of right now, I'm going to guess, not exact, but we're, we might be down less than 7% from the end of... You're- you're talking from year to January, date. excuse me, year to date, right, yeah. which isn't that much when you consider what's happened. But my, I think I have a good analogy for you. This is a, an analogy that will lead to an opinion. Okay. Um, and it's comparing 2008 to this. So to me, 2008 was kind of like I've been in a really bad car accident, but I didn't All die. Right. I, like, broke my back. I had a – my knee was dis displaced, my hip was broken, and I I lived through it, and ultimately, though, it took a long time to recover from that. It was was a long recovery. It was not something that just happened instantly. Um, And and that's sort of what 2008 was. It happened, started in 2007. If we're looking at the stock market, the low was then, what, it was around March 2009, right? Yeah. Well, so yeah. So I mean, it peaked out October of '07, and then didn't hit that low until um, right March of 2009. Right. So coronavirus to me is more like coronavirus. The beginning was I got sick, really sick, and then this is a stock market comparison. I got better, but I think the actual coronavirus, how it's going to affect things economically and stock market, is almost like analogous to the way coronavirus hits you when you first get it, which is you don't get it until, say, two or three weeks later 
then you realize you have it. Because right now, while we may be where we are, the economic data <laughs> is horrific. Yeah. There is nothing good out there about this. You basically have unemployment. And today an article came out, I read it somewhere, about how 80% of the people feel like, of the people who are currently furloughed or laid off of these, whatever, 35 million unemployed, feel like, you know, I'm going to get my job back. Once this thing gets better, I'll get my job back. The reality is that's not going to happen. A lot of people who've lost their job or have been furloughed are not going to get their job back. That's just something that just hasn't happened yet. A lot of things are going to happen that we, we see the initial shock, but it's going to be down the road, you know, when you feel the real effect. So well, that's my feeling. That that's Again, this is why it's an opinion. I could be wrong about that feeling always from I mean, the purpose of this podcast and the work we do is to plan for the worst and hope for the best. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, again, the stock market, although it is a – and it is not a, it's a lagging indicator. It's like that's what people are saying. Well, the reason it's up, they're not looking at now. They're looking at down the road. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at down the road, and I think down the road to me is like a reality check. And not now. It's well, not till way down the road till we actually get better. But an opinion, and and I and I've it, been wrong before. <laughs> we all have, and I I think you know this current market decline. I hope has helped reinforce to a lot of people um, why, you know, if you remember back to the way that you were feeling and middle of March, I, I know we had, you know, a good half dozen, 10 clients who were maybe not looking to get out of the market, but considering it saying, gosh, I, I'm looking at all this news. It looks bad. Maybe we should just get out and wait till things get better. Um, and of course we can sit here with hindsight and say, gosh, look at, look at what a mistake that would have been. Um, but that of course was the advice that we gave at the time. But let me play a counter argument. And I'm not saying I totally think this is justified, but the counter argument to everything Dave just said is the Federal Reserve has come in and they've come in strong supporting the markets in any way that they can. Um, so they, they've come in buying corporate bonds. They've come in buying municipal bonds. Um, they've, of course, lowered the Fed funds rate to essentially zero. Um, and they've, they've basically said, we've got a lot of tools in our arsenal and we're willing to use them. And one of the things that they've done this time that they have never done before is they've been buying junk bonds. So they've been buying high yield bonds. And I think a lot of the reason for the rally in stocks is simply the fact that people believe that if we really get hit with the second wave and the reopening doesn't work, that the Fed is going to come in and be willing to buy stocks. Now, the the U.S. Fed has never done that before. Um, they have done it in Japan before. But I, I think that the market feels like, okay, if everything goes poorly, the Fed will step in and save us. Um, you know, I I don't know if that's the well, best long term policy, but I know from a that's another valid I mean, that's a whole other valid way to look at it. But ultimately, it's about when it comes to planning, when it comes to the work that we do with our clients, and what we sort of preach is that 
you're going to be in a losing game if you're predicting any one of these scenarios and then trying to time in any way an investment strategy. Yeah. Um, I think that is the most dangerous. I know, I mean, I could certainly speak for my own portfolio. For my own portfolio, and, you know, I, I said to myself, you know what, what do I, let me reevaluate what I feel comfortable with as far as my, um, my ratio of stocks and bonds. And I reevaluated it, rebalanced a little when, you know, we had that big low. And that was it. That was, I mean, I looked at it. I said, what, from a long-term point of view, what do I feel comfortable with? And I believe it was basically exactly what I had. I just basically, it, would, it tilted off a little bit as we do with for clients when there's a rebalancing. But besides that, right. it was the same thing because that's my long-term perspective you know, my five years out and farther out perspective on risk. And if, right. if you're not doing that right now, you are in, because you, the, the volatile changes up and down that are potential. Think about thinking that things are going to be really bad and then not a vaccine trial did okay, but this is going to be the vaccine and it's going to be rolled out. Yeah. That would be a, and you never know when that's going to happen. That would be something that would make markets go crazy in an extremely short period of time. And it would be something if people who are timing in a negative fashion, uh, well, I'll get back into it when it gets better, they would miss that. You miss it anyway. Timing never yeah. works. But we're in a scenario now with the news cycle and that anything could gyrate this thing up and down. And, and the best bet is to have had a game plan in place already. Um, otherwise, you're just betting. And some people have a little money; they want to bet on these things. Fine. It's yeah, like you can go to but Vegas. You, you don't you want can, to base you your... bet on Carnival Cruise Line, whatever you feel like doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's fine, but you got to understand for what it is. You know, it's it's not investing; it's gambling at that point. Correct. Correct. Um. All right. Well, you know that that situation update took a little bit longer than I thought, but that's okay. Um, so what I really wanted to talk about today was this article that I saw in CNBC, um, and it talked about the purchasing power of Social Security benefits. Right? And, and we have talked about this in the past as to a, a subtle way that your benefits are being eroded if you have Social Security. And what they took a look at was the cost, the increase in cost of living of various, you know, different types of expenses versus the increase that Social Security recipients have gotten over the last 20 years. So from January of 2000 to January of 2020, uh, benefits have increased 53% for somebody receiving Social Security. And the average basket of cost and goods has increased by 99%. So I'll use rough numbers there. You've basically gotten half of the increase that, um, you know, that, that the general basket of goods. But then they even show here a more detailed breakdown of the cost of prescription drugs is up 252% during that time. Uh, Medicare premiums up 218%. Uh, and then they go through potatoes and veterinary services and real estate taxes. They're all up quite a bit more. And I would say some of these things are going to hit seniors a lot more than others. 
know, cost of prescription drugs, Medicare premiums, those have a much bigger impact than the cost of oranges or, you know, something else like that. Yeah, and also um, on this will be the subject of another podcast, but I've been starting to look at what's going to be the effect of all of this on long-term care. Think about long-term care expenses when you're collecting Social Security, and they're just going to go up dramatically for a bunch of reasons. So we'll save that, the explanation for that, for another podcast. But when you put that all together, I just realized something, which we didn't plan, but I'm going to now plug our upcoming okay. webinar. It's <laughs> a good idea. So when you're... So when you're looking at all this stuff, my first take is more now more than ever, it's always been the key really to retirement planning, but now more than ever you gotta focus on do you have enough secured their retirement income? Do you have a retirement yep. income plan? Because the social security piece is now look covering less and less of the overall pie. You need to make sure that you're covering a lot of that overall pie with some you know, with some income sources that you can count on when you're not working anymore. Um, that's yep. the take I get out of that. Yeah, and that that's always been my response that I know is somewhat unsatisfying to some people who want precision and, you know, exactness. And, you know, the problem with predicting the future is is we can't be real exact. Um, but we often have people who say, well, I, you know, how do I prepare for skyrocketing healthcare costs or Medicare premiums going up a lot or, you know, pick your poison, oil prices going up or <laughs> going down, who knows? Um, and the, the answer really is you've got to have that extra cushion of income. You've got to have more income than you plan on because 20 years down the road, if we see the same pattern and you've only gotten half of the increase in, in cost of living that everything else has, you're going to have to have more income to pay for those things. Um, so you've got to have that cushion. If you figure, well, my expenses, uh, I can retire if I have $7,000 a month. Well, if you're just barely cutting it on 7000 a month, that's probably not enough margin for error. You've got to figure, okay, I've got eight or 8500 a month coming in, and now I can afford to, if Medicare premiums go up, I can absorb that. Or if my Social Security really lags inflation, that's okay. I can absorb that. Um, you know, but the bottom line comes down to, to planning to have more income in the future. And, you know, I, I would say the same thing can go, you know, this is Social Security cost of living adjustments. I'd say the same thing can go for any pension that you have. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of pensions you know, I'll just pick on the defense contractors in particular, but a lot of those pensions, they get no cost of living adjustment. And, you know, it might be nice if you have a, a pension from Boeing or Raytheon or Northrop or Lockheed, but if there's no cost of living adjustment, it might not be a big deal for two or three years, but 10 or 20 years in the future, you're going to start to really feel that. Um, so you've got to plan on having that additional additional income coming in. Right. And that's our webinar. First ever. We've done a first like ever webinar. Webinars. But this is our first webinar. So please tune in and bear with us. <laughs> we try to do it the right way. We'll do the best we can. But the first webinar is Thursday, May twenty eighth at six PM. Yep. And to register for it, I love the way this isn't set up yet, but I'm just acting like it is. To register for okay. it 
you could go to the website and you'll see a button for it. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope you will. It doesn't exist yet, but but you know what? It usually don't takes see me a button for it when you hear this. Just go to the website and say, "Where's the button? I want to register for the webinar." <laughs> well, yeah, how about? How about Dave? If if they don't see it, I'll give them your personal cell phone number. They can call you. All right. You could do that. I like talking to everybody. You it know is. that. I know. But um, um, no. But anyway, so that's going to be our first one, and and we're going to focus on retirement income post yeah. and during COVID nineteen. I mean, if, if you're an ex- and, and trying to do that, if you're an existing client, it's probably not going to be earth shattering for you because you've heard a lot of this stuff from us before. Um, but it does it never hurts to hear it again. Um, and then in particular, we're going to talk about some of the things that the CARES Act, which is, uh, you know, had some changes to retirement distributions, RMDs, things like that as a result of the coronavirus. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, all of that stuff. And when is that? May 28th? May, it's May 28th, Thursday at 6 p.m. And you can obviously invite friends, other people. If you're ah, capacity a lot of you are wondering, so this is going to be the hard part because you've already been to our dinner seminar. How are we going to get you dinner? So No. <laughs> dinner not included with these. Dave, I will tell you that, you know what I saw? This is uh, from a wholesaler. So, you know, one of these mutual fund companies that tries to sell to us. They had a wine and bonds discussion, right? So you register for this talk, and they send you a bottle of wine ahead of time, and then you sit down, crack open the wine, and listen to their webinar. I didn't didn't think it was a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It's just an idea that I don't think we're doing. Although I talked to another advisor who – this is interesting. They hired – they did like a – similar to that. He did a – he did like a happy hour and okay. he hired musicians to play on the internet. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not doing that either. But <laughs> but you know, hey, whatever. I mean whatever. I like the creativity during COVID nineteen. But for us I think the key will be uh will the webinar go off fairly smoothly? And I, I am sure this won't be the last one we'll do because um, I think it's a good way to to keep people informed, to do the talks that we've always done. And yep. uh, it's obviously easier for people just to tune in. They don't have to drive yep. in traffic. And I think it's kind of cool that people from around the country could also tune into something like that. So it'll, be, it'll be fun. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Hopefully we will see you at the webinar next week. Otherwise, we will talk to you soon.